that's going to be coming up as well. This morning, we're going to continue in our study of Romans. We're going through one chapter. We're trying to go through one chapter a week. Uh, there are 16 chapters in Romans. And so we're trying to do that. Right now, we are in the fourth week, and we're in the fourth chapter. So we're keeping up with it. Pretty good. Before we get started in that, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you for the message this morning. Lord, I, I, I want to take time just to say I fully rely on you. Lord, I pray that the message this morning isn't my words, but your words. Lord, that they're not my thoughts, but your thoughts. Lord, everything that comes from this message would be to impact the lives of those who are here and those who are listening on podcast. Lord, I pray that you would just move in their hearts, Lord, that just like you've moved in my heart, Lord, you've gotten me excited about this word, Lord, I thank you for it. I praise you for it. I know people are tired and people are hot and and people are kind of worn out, but kind of put in by the things of life right now. But Lord, I pray that you would lift our spirits, that you would encourage us this morning, that, that, that you would open the hearts of each person here to hear your word and to follow it in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. Amen. In studying Romans up till now, uh, how many remember what we talked about last week? Easy. <laughs> Bobby's like, do you remember Bobby? You weren't here, that's right. No, that's all right, you had a good excuse. Doug, what did we talk about last week? What? Romans? <laughs> that's good. Uh, we, talked about, we talked about circumcision, right? We talk, it's, you know, uh, we talked about uh, some things that up until now, Romans has probably seemed a little grim. Romans chapters 1, 2, and 3, probably a little bit grim. But it's, it's a realization of our unrighteousness. It's a realization of our unrighteousness. To be righteous, what does that mean? To be in right standing with God. How many want to be righteous? I do. I want to be in right standing with God. I don't want to be in wrong standing with God. I don't want to be unrighteous. I want to be righteous. Amen? Paul has shown clearly that until Christ came, those whose salvation was dependent upon the law were simply operating in vain. Those who were operating under the law, we have to, we have to obey the law, and it's only the law that we... That's how we're saved. That's how we're made righteous. Paul says, no. It's of no use to you. The law is of no use to you when it comes to your relationship with God. Last week, we looked at what it meant, of course, for them to be circumcised. For them to be circumcised, you know, and and honestly, uh, it was a pretty interesting sermon to navigate. That was a fun one, right, Gary? Yeah? (laughs) Gary's like, I'm listening. I'm hearing what's going on. Uh, But it was an important aspect to understand in the Jewish culture. The Jewish culture, what was taught is that if you were not circumcised, you were not righteous. If you were not circumcised, you were not righteous. It was a a part of their identity. How many know that like there's some things that are just a part of our identity, right? So some some how many uh how many wear a cross around their neck? Chris is wearing one right now. We identify with the cross. If you're an Egyptian Christian, what's known as a Coptic Christian, uh, babies, when they're born, they're, they're tattooed on their arm. It's called a Coptic cross. It's a circle with a cross in it. They, they, that's why they identify them as Christians. That their family is a Christian family. It's part of their identity. So the Jews are using circumcision. They, they called themselves the circumcision. That's how they refer to themselves. Well, who are you? I'm part of the circumcision. That'd be an interesting way to go around life, right? Hey, hey, what's your name? Don't worry about it. I'm part of the circumcision. That'd be a kind of a, but that's how they identified themselves. They, it was a huge part, a proud part of their identity. Paul had just given this teaching on circumcision and then turns to address the issue of Abraham. Now you say, Pastor Dave, what do you mean the issue of Abraham? You see, when Paul was doing this, it's kind of gutsy. It's pretty gutsy because Abraham was the man. Everybody say, he was the man. He was the, the father of the faith, right? He was the first of a race of people called the Jews. He was the first. He was, he was, God called him first. And so he was really put on a pedestal. I mean, people knew who he was. People followed what he said. 
Paul says this in, in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It says this. Go to the first slide. It says, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? What shall we say was gained by him? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. What shall we say about this great man? What shall we say about this man, Abraham? If he could be justified by works, he has something to boast about. If he could keep every aspect of the law, man, he could boast. If he could follow every direction to the letter, how many sometimes feel as Christians, we just, we just have to follow the rules, right? If you step out of line, if, if you, if you mess up somehow, boy, there's, there's payment for that. If, if, if Abraham could follow every direction of the letter of the law, that would be pretty amazing, right? Then he could boast. The problem was this. Even if he could do that, he could not boast before God. He could not boast before God. I like what this commentary says. It says this. This boasting has no, is nothing because before God, every pretense is stripped away. And it's evident that no one can really be justified by works. How often have we tried to be justified by our works? How often have we... What does it mean to be justified? How many remember? We talked about this last week. What's that, Mike? Just if I'd never sinned, right? Justified. It means to be made pure, to be made right. To be made righteous. How often have we tried to be justified by our works? Are you hearing me this morning? How many believe that if we just do what's good... If we just do what's good, we can be justified by our actions. And there's people, if you just do what's good, right? I don't know about you, but if you've been in church for any amount of time, if you grew up in a, how many grew up in a Christian church? Grew up in a Christian home? I I did. I grew up in a Christian home and it was this. You begin to notice that as you grow up in a Christian home, that it begins, you begin to see a pattern of, what you're being pushed towards versus the things that you can't do. So there's what you can do and what you can't do. How many know what I'm talking about? There's things you can do, right, Gary? And there's things you can't do, right, Gary? Or shouldn't do, I should say. There's things you can't do, there's things you can do and things you shouldn't do. What are some good things that you can do? Anybody? What are some good things that you can do? Mike, what's a good thing you could do? Be happy wherever you are. Interesting. What's a good thing you could do as a Christian? <sighs> say, read your Bible. I was going to say that, but you just wait a minute. Okay. Read a Bible. Read a Bible. That's good. That's good. Read your Bible. All right. How, how, anybody else? What would be a good thing to do as a Christian? Tithe. Give, right? Pray. Anybody else? Serve. Serve. Oh, that's a good one. Anybody else? Love on people. That's a good one, right? Anybody else? What? Prayer. Nobody said prayer yet. That's a good one, Jenny. Doug, what do you think? Help others. Tim, what do you think? Honor your parents. Honor your parents. Oh, he's sitting right next to his mother. Peggy, what do you think? On your, on your parents. She said it twice. Oh, boy. It didn't say on your children. What are you talking about? But when we talk about good things, I mean, we talk about... Uh, where's Kay? Kay? Oh, Kay. What's a good thing? Yeah. Church. Come to church, right? Braxton? Pass. Pass. Hallelujah. Pass. What do you got, Jenny? What? Share the gospel. That's a good thing to do, right? Share the gospel. How many ever heard this before? I like this. Yeah. So when we talk about good things, we talk about reading our Bible, praying, fasting, right? Be kind to people and animals. 
That's a good thing. It's good to be kind to people and animals, give money to the homeless guy down the road or whatever it would be, right? If you see a, see a homeless person, you give. That's what people say. These are good things. If I give to a charity, that's a good thing, right? So people have these labels of good thing and bad things. Good things. Don't, don't do drugs. Don't gossip. Give to missions. Don't get drunk. Don't cheat on your spouse, right? Don't cuss. Don't smoke. Don't chew. Don't hang out with those who do. All right? Come on. How many, how many ever heard that growing up? I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't hang with those who do. That was the theme of a lot of churches. I thought, well, okay, so, so what are, what, that was interesting, right? So, so those are the good things, quote unquote, but what are the bad things? What are the bad things? The bad things would be the opposite of everything I just said. Don't right? Don't murder. To murder someone would be bad, right? How many times have people failed at doing the good thing? How many times have people, have people failed at, at maybe doing the bad thing? Well, there's good things and bad things, but there's so many times that we fail, right? There's so many times that we fail. How many times have we failed? So many times as Christians in pursuing our relationship with God, and hear me carefully here, in pursuing our relationship with God, we are just trying to be good enough. When we pursue our, we're just trying to be good enough. Man, if I'm just good enough, if I could just be nicer, if I could just do better, then I could be closer to God. If I could just give more to a charity, if I could just do this more, if I could just do that more, man, then I could be closer to God. I like what one pastor said. He said this. Listen to this carefully. We find ourselves working for relationship rather than from relationship. You're about to hear some deep truth this morning. We find ourselves working for relationship rather than from relationship. If we look at human relationships, we can understand this a little bit more. How many know the best ones, the best relationships, are where we're not trying to earn someone's love by doing things for them? We're not trying to earn someone's love by doing things for them. How many are married? Mike? Mike Nichols, how you doing? You sat there, man. You're in the line of fire. Bryce is over there. He's married. He just threw you under the bus, buddy. <laughs> no. How, how, Mike, do you like to do stuff for your wife? Yes, I love to. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes do you do stuff to, to maybe, maybe you're, you're trying to make amends? Sometimes. Sometimes, right? How many, how many know sometimes uh, uh, some flowers work real nice? Right? How many know sometimes if, if you're married or if you're in a relationship, you know, sometimes you mess up. Steve, you know what I'm talking about? You know? Mike, you know what I'm talking about? Here's the thing. I know all too well. I know all too well. It's okay if I'd be a little transparent with you this morning. My wife's not here, and I told her I was going to talk about her. But there's things that happen in, in, in marriage, right? So, uh, what was this? I had a bunch of stuff in my hands a couple of days ago. And one of the things in my hands was my wallet. And I took the stuff that I had bought at the store and I put it on the counter. And then I put my wallet there. And the next day, I looked and the stuff that I had put on the counter had been moved to a table. And I needed to go somewhere, and I couldn't find my wallet. Jonathan, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah you were involved in this conversation, so you know. I was like, I don't know where my wallet is. I couldn't find my wallet. I called my wife at work. I said, honey. How many know I Oh, darling, Jackie. <laughs> Where did, did thou puttest my wallet dist? No, I didn't say, I said, hey, where's my wallet? She said, I don't know, I haven't seen it. Jackie, it was right on the counter. I didn't move it. The kids didn't move it. There's only one other person. The dog didn't get up there and move it. There's only one other explanation. 
Where did you put my wallet? I don't, I, I don't know. I, I didn't move it. I didn't. Jackie, did you throw it in the trash? <laughs> did you accidentally throw it in the trash? I, I mean, the trash can, the trash can's right next to our counter. I thought she didn't see it and she put it in the trash. And how many, come on, I, I'm just being transparent with you this morning. Amen. We can share a little bit. I said, why would you throw my wallet in the trash? She said, I didn't throw, I don't think I threw it in the trash. If it's in the trash, then, 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 then uh, it's in the trash, it's in the garage. I emptied the trash last night. I said, oh man. I go to the garage, I look, the, the trash isn't in the garage, it's already in the dumpster. So I walk out to the dumpster. And I'm looking at the trash and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I have to dig through this trash for my wallet. I'm going to have to cut open this bag of trash and dig through it. I I dug through the one in the kitchen already. I'm digging through trash and I'm saying to myself, why am I digging through trash? Because my wife threw my wallet away. Here's what I did. I went up to the dumpster and I looked at the bag and honestly I was like, it can't be in there. It can't be in there. I don't want to go through this trash. And I looked at it, and I left. <laughs> I walked away. I thought, oh, no, it can't be in there, because I am not going through this trash. I go into the kitchen again. She calls. She says, did you find it yet? No, I didn't find it yet. No, I didn't find it. You, you, threw, it in the, you threw it in the trash. <sighs> Why would you do that? She says, honey, I'm sorry. I didn't, I, I didn't know. I said, I, 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 there's money in there. There's my... My license in there, my credit card. What am I going to do? She said, well, you can just look in the trash, I suppose. (laughs) I hang up the phone. I'm in the kitchen. I said, okay, all right. I got to go out to the dumpster. I got to actually look through the trash. I got to cut open the bag. I got to get in there and and find it, right? I walk out to the garage and I look at my motorcycle. And I remember that last night my wife went walking on the road. And I took my motorcycle out to honk at her and be like, hey, baby, how's it going? Like, drive by. Oh, come on, come on. How many husbands love their wives? Come on. How many don't always show it the right way? Right? I was honking at her. Hey, Jackie, how you doing? It was funny. She got a kick out of it. The problem was this. I had taken my wallet and put it in the compartment. And I forgot where it was. As I'm walking out the garage to look at my motorcycle and to look at the trash, I realize something that all men will eventually realize. I'm going to need to apologize. <laughs> right? How many times, how many men know, some, women too, I mean, let's be honest, sometimes we just have to apologize. We have to fall on the sword. We just have to fall at the mercy of the lovely gift that God has given us, right? Tyler, you hear what I'm saying? Uh, yes, I do. Other Tyler? Praise the Lord. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> men, young men, old men, you all know this. There's sometimes that we do things and we have to apologize for them, right? There's sometimes just, just part of life. How many know it's best when you can do something just out of your love for somebody? How many know it's best when you can just do something just because you love someone? How many ever bought a gift for a friend and you were so excited to give them that gift? How many ever bought a gift? Come on. How many were really excited to give them that gift? I get, when, when it's a friend, when it's somebody you're in a relationship with, and you, man, I, I found this gift and I'm so, it's Christmas or it's their birthday or it's just for whatever reason and it's so exciting to give them that gift, right? Or you find something really cool and I'm like, man, I can't wait for them to use this. I, that, that's, that it happens. It comes from relationship. How many ever had to buy a gift for someone you didn't really know? You didn't really know all that well and you just kind of like, well, I, got, I guess I gotta, I gotta bring a gift. 
There's no joy in that. There's no joy in that giving, right? It comes from relationship. It becomes a joy to serve my wife out of my love for her. It becomes a joy to serve my wife out of my love for her. It becomes a joy, listen to this, to serve God out of my love for Him. It will become a joy for you to serve God out of your love for Him. The problem with the church, if you want to know what the problem with the church is, it's this. There's too many people trying to earn relationship with God. There's too many people trying to earn relationship with God. They serve here, and they serve there, and they serve here. And they're trying to be good enough and do good enough to feel close to Him. And then they get burned out from serving everywhere, and they're serving for relationship rather than from relationship. And so people get burned out, and then they blame everybody but themselves. Why? Because you were serving for relationship instead of from relationship. We're here to honor the, we're going to honor the graduates this morning. Graduates, if everywhere, everyone that's listening to my voice, listen to this carefully. If you're going to serve God, serve Him from relationship, not for relationship. You're not trying to earn it. It's because you're in relationship with God that now I can serve Him. I can give joyfully. I can serve joyfully. I can minister to others joyfully. Because it's out of my relationship with somebody. When I'm in a relationship with somebody, it's a joy to give them a gift. It's a joy to buy them lunch. It's a joy to serve them and help them and do what i got to do to do the best I can for them. When you're in love with somebody, it's a joy to give them a gift, right? Don't serve for relationship with God. You'll find it gets old fast. It gets old fast. But when you're in relationship with Him, serving becomes a pleasure. It doesn't become a chore. Oh man, I gotta serve this week. I gotta do this this week. I gotta do that. That's because you're not in relationship with Him. You're trying to do it for relationship with Him. You ever, people say about prayer, oh man, I gotta pray this week. Man, I just—I forgot. I gotta pray. Prayer is is not a chore. When you're in relationship with somebody, communicating with them is a pleasure. When you're in relationship with somebody, having a conversation with them should be a joy, right? If you're bored by your prayer life, it's because you don't have a relationship with God. If you're bored in reading the Bible, it's because you don't want to know more about God. I know it's tough, but it is true. You don't want to serve for relationship. You want to serve from relationship. I want to be in relationship right right now. I'm telling you, when you're in relationship, reading your Bible stops being boring. And you start digging into His Word because you want to know more about Him. When you're in relationship with God, serving stops being a torture and it becomes a gift that you're excited to give the Lord. It stops being a torture. In the instance of Abraham... He could only be justified or made righteous by following the letter of the law. He could only, that's what people said. Well, Abraham has to follow the law. He has to follow the letter of the law. He could only be justified by following the law, right? The Bible says, no, not before God. There's something you should know about the law. For those uh, there, there was around 613 laws the Jews were required to follow. And I mean to the letter. If you were a priest, it was a little more. If you were not a priest, it was a little less. 613 laws. The law was and is binding. It was binding. There was nobody who could follow it to the letter. Everybody fell short. There were none that didn't fall short. And if, somehow, if they could follow it to the letter, even then they couldn't have righteousness with God. Then Paul says this to get his point across. Now, it's ten verses, and we're going to go through them quickly. But uh, he says this, uh, and we're going to unpack all of this together. But I want to read the ten verses first. It says this, For what does Scripture say? 
Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And as the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Now I want to stop right there because there's a uh, tendency for people to look at that and say, and to the one who does not work, but believes in him, God isn't rewarding laziness there. God isn't rewarding laziness there. What uh, Paul is trying to get people to understand that we're not working for our faith. That's what Paul's trying to get people to understand. He's not saying people shouldn't work. He's saying people should work, but works doesn't justify us. Amen? Amen? Amen. Come on. Number six, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one of to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Keep going. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised? We talked about this last week. Or is it for the uncircumcised? Go to the next slide. For we say by faith that it, that it was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then could it be counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after he had been, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. Now, I know that's a lot to go through. It's 10 verses, but we're going to unpack it here. In verse 3, go to where, go to where it shows, says, shows the first verse. For what, yep, one more uh, forward. For what does scripture say? Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. That is in quotes. The, the verse there is what Paul is referencing. It is Genesis 15, verses 5 and 6. Go to the Genesis 15, 5 and 6. Uh, a couple scriptures ahead. And he brought him outside and said, this is God speaking to Abraham. Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he, Abraham, believed the Lord, and the Lord counted it to him as righteousness. The Lord counted it to him as righteousness. Now, this may not seem incredible right now. This may not seem like a real huge thing right now, but there's something you should know. Abraham was still called Abram at this point. This was way before the law came into place. The law came through Moses, and, and in fact, it was before. This happened before Abraham was circumcised. In fact, it was 14 years before he was circumcised. 14 years before God said, okay, let's, let's make a covenant of righteousness. Abraham was declared to be righteous while he was yet uncircumcised, while the law wasn't in place. And the Jews have been saying that unless they took part in this, they couldn't be Jewish. They couldn't be righteous. The Jews right now, this whole time, have been saying that unless they take part in this, unless they take part in circumcision, unless you take part in, in following the law and following the rules and, and following it to the letter, I mean, unless you do everything exactly as you're supposed to do, you can't be righteous. Paul is saying, hold on. Hold on a second. Abraham wasn't made righteous because he was circumcised or because he followed specific law. He was made righteous, listen to this, simply because he believed. He was made righteous just simply because he believed. What does it say next? Uh, verse 13, I want to say this. Go to the next slide. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be the heir of the world did not come through the law, but it came through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For if it is the adherents of the law, what does that mean? If it's only for those who follow the law, if it's only for those who follow the rules, if it's only for those who follow what's supposed to be done, Faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. Paul is saying it doesn't matter how, how closely you follow the law. 
Hear me carefully this morning. It doesn't matter how closely you follow the law. Apart from the grace of God that is given to you by faith, your works mean nothing. Apart from the grace of God which is given to you by faith, your works mean nothing. It's null. It's void. Verse 16 says this, This is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who was the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, he gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. How many are glad to know that we worship a God that brings life to the dead? that brings things into existence that do not exist. The promise of our faith does not rely on how good we follow the rules. How many are happy to know that? Come on. The promise of our faith doesn't rely on how kind we are to people or animals or how many charities we give to. The kindness, the promise of our faith is only resting on the grace of God. Amen? The promise of our faith is only... Paul is trying to get people to see that it's not done by works. Paul is trying to get people to see that it's only by grace through faith. And then here's what people will ask. Okay, Pastor David, that sounds great. So are you just saying I can just do what I want? Pastor David, are you saying I can just do what I want? It doesn't matter if I'm a manipulative, gossiping cheater that gets drunk and cusses out his neighbor. I mean, does it matter, Pastor David, then? Pastor David, does it really matter? People are always asking that. Can I do this, Pastor David? Pastor David, am I allowed to do this? Am I allowed to do that? What can I do? What shouldn't I do? That's where it comes back to relationship. This is where it comes back to relationship. If you're looking to see what you can get away with, it shows you're not in relationship with God, but with yourself. If you're always looking to see, well, what can I get away with here? What can I get away with here? It shows you're not in relationship with God. You're in relationship with yourself. The Bible says that if you love Him, you'll keep His commandments. Not that you're keeping His commandments to try to earn His love, but because you're in love with Him, naturally, out of your love and a relationship with Him, will flow you following His Word. Amen? Naturally, it will flow. So many times people say that, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. People see that and go, well, I guess I have to keep the commandments of God in order to love Him. That's not what Paul is saying. That's not what the Bible says. That's not, if you keep my commandments, you'll prove that you love me and you'll be okay. That's what people think. If I just keep His commandments, I can prove that, that I love Him. It's saying that when you love Him, out of your love for Him, out of your relationship with Him. Keeping His commandments won't be a chore. It'll be a joy. How many want serving to be a joy in your life? I do. I want serving to be a joy. To be a joy. I want coming to church to be a joy in my life. I want serving and giving. And I want to give away all I can as a joy. Keeping the commandments of God will flow naturally out of relationship. Instead, we always, we're always trying to catch up, aren't we? We're always trying to catch up. We're always trying to play catch up with God. All right, God, you know, I gotta, I gotta make sure I read my Bible this week. I gotta make sure I get in prayer. Oh boy, I miss, I miss prayer today. I gotta, gotta make sure I get to it tomorrow. I gotta maybe do double prayer time. I don't know, something. I gotta read my, I gotta, I gotta get in there. I gotta, I gotta give more. I gotta do more. I gotta, I gotta be seen more, right? So we're doing stuff to earn relationship. Rather than having relationship and going, God, what do I get to do today? Oh man, I, I get to, I get to spend time communicating with you. Man, that's amazing. Lord, I, I you mean I get, you're gonna, you're gonna bless me with the ability to give to, to military Bible sticks. You're going to bless me with the ability to give to the cherish house. Lord, you're going to bless me with the ability to give to the local church. 
Man, that's great. Pat, I, I, man, I'm in a relationship with God now. I can't wait to be with other people who are in relationship with God and we can fellowship together. That's a joy. Man, I get to serve the kids and help them get to know my Savior. Man, I get to serve on the worship team and communicate my worship to God. Man, I get to serve in the nursery and help nurture and guide these little children to love the Lord. Oh man, are you kidding me? When you're in relationship with God, those things will flow naturally from us. Too many times we're trying to play catch up and it shows that we're not in relationship with God. We may have a semblance of relationship. We may have a picture of relationship. We may have a facade of relationship. But my question is this, do you have relationship? Are you in love with him? Paul is desperately trying to convey this. Abraham was righteous because of his relationship with God. Because he believed in Him. Not because of his works. It's all about relationship. What happens when you operate in relationship? I like this. What happens when you operate in relationship? Go to the next slide. It says this. In hope he believed against hope. This is Abraham. In hope he believed against hope. Why did this happen? Why did he believe so much? Because he had relationship. That he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. When you're in relationship, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was good as dead since he was about a 100 years old, and when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, his wife. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. When When you're in relationship with God, no unbelief will make you waver concerning the promise of God. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? When you're in relationship with God, no unbelief will make you waver. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. When you have relationship with God, you will grow strong in your faith in giving glory to God. He was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. When you're in relationship with God, you can be fully convinced that God's going to do exactly what he promised. Amen? That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Because Abraham was in relationship with God, he had this tremendous faith that God would keep his word. He looked at his wife's age. His wife Sarah, he looked at his, her age. He, he looked at his age. And naturally, he had to say, man, we are old. Naturally, he was a hundred years old. Naturally, he had to say, boy, we are, we are up there. How many know some older people? Come on. Naturally, Abraham had to look at his, his body and Sarah's body and go, God, I don't know how this is going to happen. But God had promised it. And so he had faith to believe that God would stand by his word and, and have relationship with him. How many of us need more faith? Come on. How many of us need more faith? How many of us struggle to stand on the promises of healing and deliverance and power and glory? How many of us struggle? How many of us, how many of us claim to believe, but we are burdened by our circumstances? We are burdened by our circumstances. I wouldn't say that we need more obedience or more serving or more giving. I would say that we need more relationship. We need more relationship. We don't need more obedience. We don't need more serving. We don't need more giving. We need more relationship. We need more intimacy in His presence. Are you hearing me this morning? It's out of the relationship that obedience becomes natural. Serving becomes loving. And giving becomes joyful. 
It's out of relationship. You need to be so close to God and in the, in the presence of God that when fear and worry and doubt come across your mind, you can stand firm and know that if God be for me, nothing and no one can be against me. Amen? Come on. That's what Abraham had. He had the faith in God to say, man, I look at my body. I look at my wife's body. God says we're supposed to have a baby. But guess what? If God be for me, there is nothing that can be against me. That's faith. It doesn't mean life is always going to be easy. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be suffering. But what it means is that we're going to rely on peace in the midst of the storm. I'm not going to bend to doubt and fear. Some people say, oh, Pastor David, that was Abraham. Pastor David, I mean, come on, that was Abraham. That was, I mean, he's a spiritual giant, right? How many ever, how many ever met, like, somebody who was just really, just very, like, a mature spiritual giant? I mean, you, you may a preacher or a pastor or something like that, and you go, man, I just, I feel insignificant compared to this guy. I feel like, man, my, my, his, his walk is so much stronger than mine. What am I doing? I feel insecure. Because I haven't done enough or said enough or been enough or... So we feel unworthy of the gifting and the power and the glory that, that this person accesses. And so you say, well, Pastor David, I mean, that was Abraham. He was a spiritual giant. Of course he had that kind of faith. Pastor David, this was Abraham. I mean, I mean, he's, he's the father of the Jews. He's, he's the first among. When we are grafted in, we are grafted into the, the faith of Abraham. Come on. When we say, well, it's, it's Abraham, I mean, doesn't that make sense that he'd be full of faith? I mean, if you feel unworthy, if you feel insecure, if you feel like you're, like you're just not up to snuff, the Bible has some things and Paul has some things to say to you. He says this, go to the next slide. But the words it was counted to him were not just written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It wasn't written just to Abraham, it was written to us. It wasn't written just about Abraham. It was written for us. It will be counted to us who believe in Him who was raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. We are not justified by works. We are justified by grace through faith. Amen? (laughs) Those words, it was not counted to Him. It was not written just for him. It was written for us. It was written for us. I like what what somebody said about this. He said, when we talk about faith and saving faith in Jesus, it's important to emphasize that we mean believing that his work on the cross and triumph over sin and death is what saves us. His work on the cross and Triumph over sin and death is what saves us. There's too many false Jesus out there. There's a, there's a picture of a false Jesus out there right now that is sweeping the nation. If you've ever heard of anybody that's in the Mormon faith, they believe in Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, right? The unfortunate thing is the Jesus they believe in is not the Jesus of the Bible. That's a problem. Mormons believe in a separate Jesus. They believe in a Jesus who's spirit brothers with Satan. They believe in a Jesus that's a, that's a God, but not God. They believe that we can be just like Jesus, that we can be on our own planet having spiritual babies for ourselves. They believe that God is living on a planet near the star Kolob with his wives having spiritual children. We were talking about this last night in a vehicle. They believe that the children that are born to this earth are born, if they fought valiantly in a war, they're born with white skin. And if they didn't, they're born with colored skin. This is part of Mormon faith and culture. But that's a cult. That's easy to understand why they would have a bad belief. There's a belief within the, the Christian system of the day that Jesus is all about and only about love. 
And it's the love is what's it's what's called hyper grace. And that love has become so tainted and so messed up that Jesus isn't going to send anybody. I mean, nobody's going to go to hell. Nobody's going to have to deal with persecution or judgment or Jesus wouldn't do that to you. Because he's all about love, and that's just not the God that I know. That's what's being pushed in today's society. It's being pushed by the, uh, by the Oprah gospel. It's being pushed by the likes of Rob Bell. It's being pushed by these preachers who, who won't talk about sin. They won't talk about righteousness. They won't talk about persecution. They won't talk about suffering. They won't talk about it. Because it doesn't play well to the crowd. It doesn't increase their bottom line. There's plenty of false Jesuses out there. We want to emphasize that when we have, when we're talking about faith in Jesus, we're not talking about a false faith. We're talking about a faith in Jesus of what he did on the cross, that he triumphed over sin and death, and that's what saves us. Say, Pastor David, this has been kind of a deep message. I love this stuff. I love this stuff. And, and in, in order to give you a, just a taste, it's been tough until now, but in order to give you a taste of what's going to come, next week, we're going to start chapter 5. And, it, and I, I honestly, it's too good to wait until next week to share this with you. And it ties in really well with this message. So it says this, Romans 5, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Amen. Through him we have also obtained by access, access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. How many are excited that someday we will experience the glory of God? Amen. Amen. Please stand with me this morning. Jenny, if you could come and play a little bit. If I could have the board members come to the front. If you're on the board, if you could come up here. And if we could also have the graduates come up here along with their parents. There's something incredibly special about graduating. Whether you're graduating high school or college, or you're moving into a new phase of life. It's something exciting. It's something that we want, we want the graduates to know that we want to bless them. We want God's blessing to be upon them. Amen? 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 Chris Nichols. You know what? It's funny. I've been here three years this week. I've known Chris about three years. And got to watch him grow up into this. I mean, have you ever seen this guy wrestle? (laughs) Amazing. Parents who are proud of him, watching him grow up in the school and and excited to see what God has for him next. Have you ever seen the woodworking that Joseph does? The CNC stuff? No, Joseph did it. He was right in front of me. He was awesome. I was blown away. The man boys, I mean, you got Jacob and Joseph who are the, some of the nicest, hardworking guys I know. Jonathan's back there too. Jeremiah's there, Joshua's there. That's great. But these guys are, are about to start a new part of their life. One graduating from high school, one from college. And you just go, God, what do you have for me? They have this idea of, Lord, what is on the horizon for me? What are your plans for my life? What do you want me to do? What are your dreams for me? I pray over each one of them. If you'll, if you'll extend your hand out, let's pray over them together. If you're a board member, let's get around and touch one of them here. Chris Nichols, I pray over you that God would bless you with whatever you do wherever you go, wherever the path leads you, that you would follow Christ. That you would be a man that would seek God, that you would be one after His own heart.
There's so many times in our life when we, when we struggle with identity. Who are we? Who are we, God? What is it you've called me to do? God, where is it you've called me to go? Christian, follow him. Be blessed as you follow him. Find rest and comfort in him. Work from relationship with him, not for relationship with him. I bless you in Jesus' name. Joseph Mann is graduating from college this year. We don't know, I'm not sure exactly what is in his mind of what to do next or where to go or or how to proceed, but, but Lord, I pray that you would guide him in Jesus' name. That you would touch him, Lord, that you would give him wisdom and grace and honor and glory. He has such godly parents and a godly family, Lord, that, that you would just guide his steps. Over Jacob, Lord, I pray the very same thing, that whatever the next step would be in his journey, Lord, that you would just be guiding every part of it. He's stepping into, in American culture, what it means to be a man. To be out of high school, to be to be maybe going into college or going into a career, and, and now it's upon his shoulders to, to be a man. Lead him in godliness. Lead him in holiness. Lead him in wisdom. For each three of these young men, Lord, we pray that you would bless and keep them. Lord, for each person in this church this morning, we pray that you would bless them, that you would keep them, that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. Lord, that we would operate from relationship with you, not for relationship with you. That we are saved not by our works, but we are saved by grace through faith. Lord, that you would bless and keep them, that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. And Lord, that you would give them rest. We thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Please join us downstairs for the potluck. To our graduates, we have a gift for you. Jacob, Joseph, Chris Nichols. God bless you guys, man. We love you.